0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of A Journey Through Time and Stuff. My name is Aaron. Today, you can call me uh, old, old, good old uh, air, accountability Aaron. Good old Aaron, like Sir Aaron of accountability. No, I'm, I'm. Uh, you know, I'm working on that, being accountable for my own actions, being uh, internally Consistent with my desires and my lack of fulfilling them sometimes, uh, hence for hence why this podcast is coming out on Tuesday. Uh, t- oh, I'm recording it on Tuesday. It'll be out today as well, and then I'm gonna yeah, I slacked. Saturday we had friends over I had a bunch of stuff Saturday and I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it Saturday so I told myself alright man do it Sunday and you can just put out Sunday man no big deal it's, you always release it Sunday evening anyways so you'll just and then Sunday what did we do Sunday Sunday was um, oh yeah I yeah, know Sunday, Sunday we woke up ran some errands uh, finished the art room uh that was the last room of the house since the movie to to actually put finish putting together and we had all the stuff in there we just didn't hang anything up and really organize things like workspace organized they were more like we know where they are if we need them in the first few weeks we're here organized you know so no we um yeah got that done that was good and then uh Finishing the art room kind of put me in fucking crafting mode. And so we had a few f- paintings our of our personal p- paintings in our living room that uh, we hung up. But Beth hates it that I don't finish the edges, like, you know, paint around the side. I started doing it because she hounded me about it. But on a few f- few of my first ones, I did not finish the edges. I would just paint the front and, oh, I'm done with it and so there are all these like g- kind of just, you know, janky, not really white, sometimes paint splotches on the sides, edges and stuff. And so I took down all those paintings that had that and uh painted black borders on them. It blacked all this and and they they actually it looks way better. Who am I what who am I kidding, you know? Um so I I was doing that and touch up painting and stuff like that and then I um I haven't I I built this badass cribbage board. Uh, cribbage is a game, an old card game. Not even a card game, a pegging stuff. Yes, yeah, I guess it's a card game. All you need is a deck of cards. Uh, it was built on shi- – or it was invented, I guess, on uh, ships way back in the day sailing around. You know, sailors would be at sea for a long time and all they needed was a deck of cards. And then they would take pegs and, and holes in their crib, the bunks uh, where they would sleep. Um, they could count this pegging game and by card hands and stuff like that. And so I guess it, um, it, that's where it originated, originated. It's super fun. My mom, you know, taught me all about it. Um, learned me good, beat my butt too many times to count. And, uh, I became a pretty good cribbage player. And, and so I, I've been thinking, you know, all cribbage boards are flat and, uh, I wanted a 3D goddamn cribbage board, you know, and uh, I did a lot of looking online, and um, all there was a lot of nice, like ornate, you know, hand-carved wooden cribbage boards and stuff like that. But they're all on flat planks, and any of the carving is recessed into the board, uh, and then the track is flat. And I went, man, I don't want to fucking. I want to, and I want to. <laughs> Basically, I want to climb a mountain. and the impetus for this was uh, growing up as a kid, the cribbage board I played on my grandfather built, and uh, it's exactly what he did. He took probably like a you know a couple pieces, a two by four or whatever whatever wood it was. It was definitely two inches thick and the the board was square. so we might have had a nice like like it took like a, a two inch chunk of like a 10 by ten maybe. Um, and carved in this like nice little mountain range and you start down <laughs> the, the trail starts down, but it's all within a two inch, you know, maximum height, maybe even not even two inches, maybe an inch and a half total because of all, all he carved down into it. Um, and you would start your, your pegs down at the bottom of the thing and work your way up to the top of this, uh. The the mountain, you know, I mean, and it's just like carved in and it's, it's more like a topographical looking map of like a mountain range. Nothing is like accurate or scaled or anything like that, but you know, and then there's a little, uh, uh, he had like a tiny blue epoxied lake up at the top. Um, And I'd love as a kid playing cribbage on that just because like the visual of climbing a mountain. And so. Uh, at the old house the years ago, we had a big giant hemlock in our backyard and wind took off. It was a forker. It split uh, about 10, 12 feet up the trunk and wind took down one of the, the legs. And when the f- arborists came over to look at it, they went, yeah, this thing's, it." you know, the rot seeped down through the core where they forked. It happens all the time. Uh, The whole tree is going to be a danger now. It has to come down. And so they knocked down this giant, I mean, gorgeous hemlock uh, in our backyard. And we got a bunch of, you know, we had all the wood from it still in the backyard. And so I thought, man, if I take one of these, one of these logs, that's a nice big round tall size, you know, they cut them into like 16, 18 inch sections pretty good long pretty long sections and and I think my log is maybe 13 inches in diameter pretty fucking big log you know and uh I took it in dried it out let it dry for a long time it developed a crack but uh for the look of the board and how I did it uh it ended up pretty fucking good um and the crack is just kind of like a feature uh not a bug But, um, yeah. And so I decided to make a actual 3d mountain scene, like a road winding up of a fucking Rocky mountain. And so I car, I carved away, you know, I left it as tall as it could be. Um, it's like 18, 19 inches tall. Um, I think it's 18 inches tall. Um, And hand carved in a path and then, you know, with with a lot of time and a lot of practice and a lot of carving on it, I made, uh, I followed the grains and made, and sanding and made the, uh, made the vertical edges um, look like rock face. Like, like a, like a, like almost like sandstone, you know, it's kind of smooth, but you can tell it's weathered and, and it looks really good. And there's a waterfall coming from a lake up on the top with a cabin up at the top. And I, oh man, I did, I, I went overboard. I got like old, like railroad model scale trees and plants and things like that to add foliage and, uh, went to the, the hobby store and bought, you know, model sand and grass and hedges and, and, and put in foliage and rocks and, and uh, yeah, it was pretty good. And then, uh, so to seal it kind of like the, I, I left the bark down around the bottom uh, and I put polyurethane over all of that. And then the anything I recessed away, f- then I stripped the bark above a level, and anything that was like still the non messed with, just raw face, I polyurethane. And so then I, anything in recessed in there, vertical face, I left natural wood. And then once I got the whole pathway carved and everything, I took a lot of time with epoxy and I had to tilt it because of all the gradual things, and I poured epoxy the entire way the tire pathway up it and uh it looks really really good now um but what i didn't do <laughs> my long rambling way to uh get around this was in feeling crafty sunday i wreck i i had built a really nice box for it a carrying case box that doesn't have any external latches or anything like that uh no hinges no joints it just it slides together like a puzzle um in two halves and it looks completely sealed and i had I, I finished the box i started staining it and uh it has been uh over a year no probably fuck man probably two years um since i finished the box and halfway stained it there was still masking tape on it where i had prepped to do and you know it moved and all that stuff And so I've I've said, fine, I'm going to fucking finish this. So I went back in, sanded it, finished staining it, um, and in doing that, doing a little bit of maintenance on the board itself, uh, some of the resin, uh, I used a different style of uh, resin for the lakes and the water features than I did that, just the hardening two-part epoxy for all the the trail coating, Um, you know, it's supposed to look like water. And so I, that over the time, since I had poured it and done it, you're supposed to do it in stages. I think I probably did it too fast originally. And the center of my lake, which is a pretty deep lake, a couple inches deep at the, in the center, um, had sunken in (laughs) because of just curing and, and shrinkage. Uh, it's cold. Um, that was bad. Seinfeld joke. Um george the water was cold i can't do a good george i can't do a good george um yeah it, so so i was you know i had still had some left over. so i'm i'm slowly pouring that and building that back up so the lake will be flat again because you know water's relatively flat so um I, and then i gotta finish the waterfall and, and you know do a couple features and so the boxes is, is the the staining's basically done like non uh tacky and all that stuff anymore. Um so I got to put the hardware in, the little handle on top that I have is a really nice little handle, carrying case handle um to move it around. I got to get uh, black felt still so I can line the inside in felt uh so it just looks classy when you open it. Um yeah, I got to do all that stuff and so that took up all my Sunday. And uh you know, I worked yesterday, got home from work yesterday, did some music shit. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good, but that left me not, uh, not doing this podcast. So now I've spent 10 minutes telling you why I'm here and, uh, you're like, what the fuck is he doing today? Today, I'm going to do two things. First, we're going to do, uh, I'm going to continue my reading of, uh, the war of art by Stephen Pressfield. Uh, in the last one, you can go back W.O.A. number, number one. Um, in the, in the last one, I read the first, like the opening to the book. It's not even into book one yet. It was just called The uh, What I Know, What I Do, The Unlived Life. I read all of that. And so now we're in book one. And uh, the very first page, it starts, The enemy is a very good teacher, the Dalai Lama, which is very true. You do learn a lot from your enemy, enemies. All right, so... Oh, and then, uh, after I read this, uh, a while back i've I've held on to it for a while now, just so it's it, you know it it wasn't so fresh for me. Um, i I called into a show I listened to, and uh, s- because i I had been thinking about some some stuff and um, pondering on it, and I wanted to get an opinion. And I also am a little bit of a fan of the the host of the show. Um, I've been watching him for years, and he was probably one of the most instrumental people early on in figuring out my atheism and um, getting introduced to the, the ideas the 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 uh, functional ideas of what skepticism skepticism looks like practiced and you know things like that I hadn't been exposed to it in a in a conversational call-in type show setting and um, yeah so I'm gonna I called into the show to ask my questions and I recorded it obviously they're recording it so why can't I record it um, and I want to go back through and review the call I have not listened to it since i did it um i haven't gone back onto the youtube channel and you know i thought about it for the next few days and kind of came to my ideas but i want to go back through and revisit the call uh i know that i it starts a little rough i think if i my my feelings during it was like oh i'm an idiot already too fast and uh it was uncomfortable, but I think I pulled it out in the end for to make it a okay, decent call. But I want to talk about it. Talk about some of my thoughts now, and um, I'll do that after I read this part. So, <clears throat> hold on. Okay, the book. The book one starts. Resistance's greatest hits. The following is a list. In no particular order, of those activities that most commonly il- elicit resistance. Okay, so this is where these are things that you find resistance presenting itself. This concept of resistance that he provided. If you, if, uh, I'm sure it'll get into it. Number one, the pursuit of any calling in writing, painting, music, film. Dance or any creative art, however marginal or unconventional. You'll find resistance. The launching of any entrepreneurial venture or enterprise, for profit or otherwise. Any diet or health regimen. Any programs of spiritual advancement. Any activity whose aim is tighter. Oh! Any activity whose aim is tighter abdominals. Nice. Clever. Any course of program designed to overcome an unwholesome habit or addiction. Telling me. Education of every kind. You'll find. Yep. Any act of political, moral, or ethical courage, including the decision to change for the better, some unworthy pattern of thought or conduct in ourselves. Yep. The undertaking of any enterprise or endeavor whose aim is to help others. Any act that entails commitment of the heart. The decision to get married, to have, yep, and taking. The taking of any principled stand in the face of adversity. That's a. Quite a comprehensive list. It's. It seems like all of those things are good in nature. In other words, okay, he continues. In other words, any act that rejects immediate gratification in favor of long-term growth, health, or integrity. Oh, that's in. That's important. Yeah, yeah. None of those things provide immediate gratification in whatsoever. Of course, um, and all of them in. You find resistance. Or, expressed another way, any act that derives from our higher nature instead of our lower, any of these will elicit resistance. Now, what are the characteristics of resistance? You know, that's funny, Stephen. I was just asking that myself. What are the characteristics of this? You've described where you'll find it. Now, what is it you're looking for? First, the first big, bold, brand new page. Resistance is invisible. Well, how am I supposed to be able to find what I'm looking for if I can't see it? You got to be able, you got to look at it to, to know what it is. I'm sure he'll tell us. Resistance cannot be seen, touched, heard, or smelled, but it can be felt. We experience. We experience it as an energy field radiating from a work-in potential. It's a repelling force. It's negative. Its aim is to shove us away, distract us, prevent us from doing our work. Resistance is internal. Resistance seems to come from outside ourselves. We locate it in spouses, jobs, bosses, kids. Well, wait, hold on. Oh, he played an old switcheroo there. The headline is resistance is internal. This is a whole new page. He does that. He little quips on their own pages. Okay. Resistance seems to come from outside ourselves. We locate it. Ah, okay. We locate it in spouses, jobs, bosses, kids, peripheral opponents, as Pat Pat Riley used to say when he coached the Los Angeles Lakers. Resistance is not a peripheral opponent. Resistance arises from within. It is self-generated and self-perpetuated. Resistance is the enemy within. Yeah, yeah, no, I... Yep, 100%. It to uh... To, to put the blame of that outside of yourself um is to uh is to negate your own involvement in it for sure and it's also taking away huh, old air and accountability here is taking away some of your own personal accountability into into a uh, suffering from it. Uh, resistance is insidious. New headline, new page. Resistance will tell you anything to keep you from doing your work. It will perjure, fabricate, falsify, seduce, bully, cajole. Oh, good word. Resistance is protean. Protean. Ah, pro- protein. protean. P R O T E A N what is the actual word I, yeah. protean tending or able to change frequently or easily protean mm. versatile alright ever changing variable versatile adaptable flexible protean great word I love writers for that reason. Okay. Not that. Protean. Okay. Uh, Resistance is protean. It will assume any form if that's what it takes to deceive you. It will reason with you like a lawyer or jam a 9mm in your face like a stick-up man. Resistance has no conscience. It will pledge anything to get a deal, then double-cross you as soon as your back is turned. If you take resistance at its word, you deserve everything you get. Resistance is always lying. And uh, I'm going to reread that last two sentences because it's fantastic. Resistance, uh, getting old, people. Okay. God damn it. Uh, Resistance at its word. Oh, if you take resistance at its word, you deserve everything you get. Resistance is always lying and always full of shit. This paints a stark picture of this guy, Resistance. Don't think I want to have anything to do with him. But he's there anyway, isn't he? He's always sitting right there twiddling his thumbs in a dark corner getting his shoe shined waiting waiting for you to just let your guard down a little bit and he goes hey everybody opens up his coat want a rolex five bucks i'll give you two now and you give me five bucks back later makes deals with you you know if you just take a little more time making sure this masking tape is straight then you will have spent more time painting and less time podcasting. Or, yeah, anything, man. Fucking anything. Resistance is Implicable. Resistance is like the alien, or the Terminator, or the shark in Jaws. It cannot be reasoned with. It understands nothing but power. It, it is an engine of destruction programmed from the factory with one object only, to prevent us from doing our work. Resistance is implicable, intractable, indefatigable, meaning it does not get fatigue. I'm sure I did not pronounce that right. Reduce it to a single cell, and that cell will continue to attack. This is resistance's nature. It's all it knows. So it's vicious unrelenting resistance is impersonal resistance is not out to get you personally it doesn't know who you are and doesn't care Ooh, that's huge that's really important to to to, to take away from this is in defining this and recognizing it's within us it's it is not it 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 yeah in itself the resistance is not personal it is not actually there in to do you wrong if anything it's you un unchecking the like unchecking it that you're letting yourself down but that's you you need to take accountability for that right cuz you're not playing defense against it. You're not doing the things to keep it away from your operations. Though it feels malevolent, resistance, in fact, operates with the indifference of rain and transits the heavens by the same laws as the stars. When we marshal our forces to combat resistance, we must remember this. Okay. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Resistance is infallible. Like a magnetized needle floating on a surface of oil, resistance will unfailingly point to true north, meaning that, calling, meaning that calling or action it most wants to stop us from doing. We can use this. We can use it as a compass. We can navigate by resistance, letting it guide us to that calling or action that we must follow before all others. The rule of thumb the more important a call or action is to our soul's evolution the more resistance we will feel toward pursuing it whoa yeah that's that's the truth man that's holy shit I just had to take my headphones off for a second and scratch my whole head for that one yeah of course it will of course it will the thing that doesn't really matter to you but you do but don't really care about the effects of it of course that will be you won't feel resistance toward doing it like you will the worry of how good is this representation of me when you're painting a painting or or drawing or composing music or whatever you're you know Whatever you're, the part of you that you put into that, what act, as soon as that's involved, then the resistance is like, now I have something to feed off of. I have you. I have that piece of you in this art, in this work, in this business. In that delicious cake you're baking. God, I want some cake. Well, all right, resistance. I don't think I like you. And resistance is universal. We're wrong if we think the only one struggling. Oh, we're wrong if we think we're the only one struggling with, with resistance. Everyone who has a body experiences resistance. How many more of these are there? Jesus Christ. Resistance never sleeps. He's really painting a good picture, isn't he? Henry Fonda was still throwing up before each stage performance, even when he was 75. In other words, fear doesn't go away. The warrior and the artist live by the same code of necessity, which dictates that the battle must be fought anew every day. Resistance plays for keeps. Resistance's goal is not to wound or disable. Resistance aims to kill. Its target is the epicenter of our being, our genius, our soul, the unique and priceless gift we were put on Earth to give that no one else has but us. <sighs> That's poetic. I'll accept your poetry there. I don't think it's as true as you, the deepity you portray it wants it to be. But I understand your sentiment. Resistance means business. When we fight it, we are in a war to the death. Resistance is fueled by fear. Resistance has no strength of it. Yeah, I, you just said that. You just reworded Okay. Resistance only opposes in one direction. Resistance obstructs movement only from a lower sphere to a higher. It kicks in when we seek to pursue a calling in the arts. Launch yep yep. So if you're in Calcutta working with Mother Teresa Foundation and you're thinking of bolting to launch a career in telemarketing, relax resistance will give you a free pass. Oh, because telemarket a career in telemarketing is lower a lower sphere to you than working with Mother Teresa in Calcutta. Gotcha. I can, yeah. Of course, you were prioritizing that from your worldview, but what if that fucking person, their calling truly was telemarketing? Would you tell them to relax? Would you tell them to avoid that? Or are you just going to play your hierarchy game? Hmm. Resistance is the most powerful at the finish line. Odysseus almost got home years before his actual homecoming. Ithaca was in sight, close enough to, that the sailors could see the smoke of their family's fires on shore. Odysseus was so certain that he was safe, he actually laid down for a snooze. It was then that his men, believing there was a gold there was gold in an ox hide sack among their commander's possessions, snatched the prize and cut it open. The bag contained the adverse the adverse winds. Oh, this is a fable. Okay, I don't know what the adverse winds, which King Aeolus, Aeol, Aeolus, Alice, Aeolus, had bottled up for Odysseus when the wanderer had touched earlier at his blessed isle. No, had arrived. The winds burst forth now in one mad blow, driving Odysseus's ship back across every league of ocean they had with such difficulty to traverse making him endure further trials and sufferings before at last and alone he reached home for good
1: <sighs>
0: okay the danger is the danger is greatest when the finish line is in sight at this point resistance knows we're about to beat it it hits the panic button it marshals one last assault and slams us with everything it's got. The professional must be alert for this counterattack. Be wary at the end. Don't open that bag of wind. Yeah, that's poetic, of course. Um, oh, so that's all this is. It is just... Okay, well, I think we're going to stop right there. Most powerful. Don't open that bag of wind. Gotta remember, Resistance Recruits Allies is next. I'm writing that down. Page 32. All right. So we got to know a little bit about this monster, this Resistance Monster. Yeah, there's there's some stuff in there that I think is uh, pretty salient uh, to some of the things... I deal with in my creativity, in my work ethic and, uh, you know, things that are personal to me, um, why is the yawning coming? Where did this come from? Where did this stem from? Who are we? Why do we, yeah, I don't know what, why we do what we do guys. Um, all right. So let's take a little jump here. So I called into this show. Let me pull up the audio here. And uh, it, it's going to start with uh, the the call screener, uh, the person fielding my calls to kind of figure out where to put me. And then uh, I'm pretty sure it's the calls. Uh, I, I am an atheist. Oh, hold on.
1: Okay, are you calling us an atheist or a theist?
0: Uh, I, I am an atheist. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, okay. and I, I understand
0: that the preferences for theists and stuff. I just
1: had a yeah. question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, existence, uh, randomness, and the necessity of...
0: Okay, so he's going to say this, and, and here's what I want to say right off the bat. I had had a conversation with a buddy of mine. Um, a, you know, we were kind of talking about free will, things like that uh i'm i i do not think that we have anything near free will um that's a conversation for a whole nother time um but i'm not entirely convinced that it's uh, everything is 100 percent deterministic either um and the reason of that is is because i am not convinced that randomness is impossible he my my friend is he thinks that True randomness, act, like real randomness. Um, things can seem random to us, but there is a pattern in it that we are not seeing, um, that it is too granular and too far spread out for us to be able to pick it up, for maybe even su- supercomputers to pick it up, but it is not, in fact, random. It is, and I am not convinced that's true. Um, and so I... I had terms wrong. Part of what he's going to say here is me having terms wrong um, and kind of misappropriating usefulness between one and the other. Um, But my question was, if people are compatibilists, which a compatibilist is someone who says, yeah, things are mostly determined, but there is some level of will free will that we do have even if a lot of shit's determined um and so if someone has that point and they like what is 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 being a determinist or uh, let me say it this way um if you're a a hard determinist and because there is no randomness, you're convinced that randomness does not exist in nature um, at any scale, then everything is cause and effect, basically. Um, and all, all the way down to the level of your brain and how it works. It, it basically completely rules out free will. If being a I mean, if determinism is in fact true all the way down, free will can't exist. So my question was, if randomness is in fact true, that things that things in some level can be truly random. One, does that necessitate at least compatibilism to know that things aren't completely always determined? But also, would that, you know, like, how would that affect any ability of choice at all if you would to choose something and whatever that was could be random? I, you know, I, I, this is the thing I was confused about and I was having a, 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 trouble sorting my mind. So, I here, anyway, let's play.
1: Determinism, how can one justify...
0: What, compatibilism. Compatibilism? Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. I'm going to pick the spell on that with no proof of randomness. Okay. Uh, I'll go ahead and put you in the queue and everything. Uh, you can see sure he's like,
0: fuck, I what is this I'm guy talking about?
1: That. No, no, no problem at all. <laughs> <My husband. laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and put you in the queue. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be first or last. Make sure you're listening through your device so you don't get uh, uh, dropped because of the delay. All right. Yeah. Then yes, sir. As I sir. put you in the queue, you're going to hear the show through the device you're calling me on.
0: Awesome. All thank right? you. Thank you. Thanks,
1: Aaron. Have a great one.
0: Yeah, you too, man.
1: You have been put in the holding queue. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on with the host. And then here should be a beep. Yep. We have Aaron, pronouns are he, him in Oregon, has a question about the relationship between the existence of randomness and the necessity of determinism. How can one justify compatibilism with no proof of randomness? Wow. Well, I, I read all of that, Aaron. And despite being a compatibilist, um, there we go. I, I'm going to sit back and let you. Well, well, okay. Welcome to the line. This is a. This is you're on the line because I want to. Maybe you can state your question, and I'll tell you what I think. Yeah, yeah. I I realize even after I wrote it that I probably framed
0: it from the point of view that wasn't true. I thought that I had actually framed a good question, and I was trying to cover for my my shame. I immediately felt right there when he didn't understand what i was saying i knew that i didn't understand what i was saying um and so i tried to cover for that i should have been completely honest and gone well maybe i don't know what i'm talking about uh here's my question you know i could have said something far more honest but i didn't i kind of covered for it um you have my own internal conversation versus um what i actually meant so i he, here's basically what I, I i think i'm a compatibilist i'm not really sure on what the definitions mean but i i'm i know i'm not a hard determinist and i was having a conversation with a friend of mine that turned to a conversation about free will and i don't think we have libertarian free will i don't see any evidence that that's possible but i Good. do think that we have a will whether how free it is you know i've, I've heard you say that multiple times and I really resonate yeah. with that. Um, what my <laughs> – he asked if I believe in randomness and I said, well, I, I'm not – I don't think that random as in rolling a dice or anything like that is truly random. But I can't say that at a quantum level or something like that that a randomness – anyway, I said I wasn't convinced that randomness isn't possible. And he was flabbergasted by that fact. And he said, that it's impossible for anything to be random. We just maybe can't measure the amount of randomness. So that made me really question, is randomness at all possible? And then I went down the line of thought of, if if randomness is in fact not possible, does that necessitate hard determinism? or Or how would one... Could one accept (laughs) that randomness doesn't exist yet also be a compatibilist? Or, you know, I'm I'm kind of,
1: yeah. Okay, Okay. we need to pause. We're we're confusing several terms here. Yeah, So Determinism, hard determinism, or soft determinism is tied to whether or not randomness is possible. That's all separate from compatibilism, which is about whether or not free will of some variety is compatible or incompatible with determinism. And it doesn't matter whether it's uh, strong or weak determinism. So set aside free will and compatibilism for a moment and just talk about determinism, determinism. and See, I wish
0: here's where I didn't try and, and interject and go, yeah, but how, if, if randomness exists, how does that affect our free will? Because that's where compatibilism does come in because it has to do with free will. And, and whether or not free will is compatible with determinism and see, and I didn't interject there. I didn't even think of that until after the fact and listening to this again. Um, Okay, let's go
1: randomness. Right. And by the way, I'm much better on the free will issue than I am on determinism and randomness, but here's my thoughts. Okay. If randomness isn't possible, hard determinism must be true. Yep. Right, right. The world is either strictly deterministic or there are quantum fluctuations. And whether or not that's true randomness in the sense that, you know, completely beyond any ability to predict, or if it's just so complex that we can't identify what the pattern is, Right. I don't know and I don't think it matters. Because then when you move to compatibilism, which is the notion that we have some will that is free enough, irrespective of whether determinism is true. Randomness is irrelevant because randomness doesn't grant you will. Your, your will isn't an exercise of will. See,
0: I don't know if it is in, and here's, this is where I go back again, because he says, as soon as you get to will, randomness is irrelevant, but if you're making decisions and things can be random at a level, what if that random moment affects your outcome of your decision? Isn't that affecting? I guess not because it, your will to do that thing is independent from the outcome of it. You can still try and do the action and it could not. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If I t- <sighs> Fuck. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess so. Because the fact that the outcome is independent from the will, the freeness of will to tr- do a thing to in to act, because its outcome independent, therefore the randomness would have the defect on the outcome, not on the will pre act pre choice. <sighs> Fuck, he's right. <laughs> it
1: is not randomness. It, it can't be accounted by or by randomness. Uh, your will is what your will is.
0: And I did not understand the, the ramification of what he said there live during this. I know I didn't, because I'm just now figuring it out. So I, I'm not sure at this moment what I was thinking hearing that.
1: I, I'm not sure. And even if your will was determined, it is, still is what it is. Right. So right. randomness impacts whether or not determinism is weak or strong. And okay. determinism from a compatibilist perspective is irrelevant to whether or not we have free will. Uh it's basically a response to people who are saying if determinism then there is no free will because everything's determined. And Dennett um who as far as I know is the individual who coined compatibilism for Correct. this is saying no. It was Dennett. Even if determinism there is a version of free will that is compatible with that. And for me, the example I've used a billion times, which is a gross exaggeration that I willfully opted to use now or was forced (laughs) to use because I don't have free will, is this. Um, When Sam and I, Sam Harris and I were on stage, I was like, Sam could jump off the stage and land there and stand there. That is an act of his volition, whether or not it was.
0: I've heard him say this many times on shows, and I love that I got to secret, like, like fan time. I'm, I'm happy that I got to hear him say it live uh, even though I've heard him say this many times before.
1: Deterministic or not doesn't matter. Or I could throw Sam off the stage and he could stand up and at that point we would be in the exact same scenario with regard to our physical positioning.
0: But And therein lies the outcome. Independence of the will.
1: Yep, I will have used my will to override his will. He didn't want to end up down there but I imposed my will upon his. It doesn't matter whether it was predetermined that I would impose my will over his. That's what happened. And what we care about when we talk about this was an act of free will is the moral accountability for an action. Right. And whether determinism is true or not, if I throw Sam off the stage, I am the actor whose will is responsible for violating Sam's will. And that responsibility is, is what we care about. <clears throat> okay. And so I, I had a talk with Rationality Rules a couple years ago. where Stephen Woodford, on he's some great. This. And it changed the way I talk about free will a bit. Like, I don't know how free our will you is. You guys
0: should all go check out that channel. If you haven't checked out Rationality Rules, Stephen Woodford. He's a, it's a great YouTube channel, Rationality Rules. Uh, great content.
1: I do still hold to compatibilism uh, a la Dennett where he talks about in Elbow Room, the varieties of free will worth wanting. Yes, uh, yes. One of the best books on the subject.
0: That is in fact true. I did. I read that. And it. Um, that's kind of why I use the, the name, the, the label, even though I don't fully understand it, compatibilism, because I, I do agree in this concept that, um, that there is a level to will to our lives and our actions. Um, I'm just nowhere near educated enough or convinced enough one way or the other how in fact free that is, but in having many conversation with it and analyzing a lot of this, I can see how many moments aren't free. Um, that also comes from practicing mindfulness, uh, being truly mindful and, 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 and paying attention to your thoughts in such a way you see how much of them are unauthored by your conscious by your attention by the part of you that you feel like is driving the ship Um, (laughs) a lot of the thoughts that pop in your head aren't 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 of your will Uh, you're not free in them they they happen irregardless of your want so uh, we spend a lot of our time not free in our choices, whether we feel like we are or not. We are not. It's just at what break, w- at what level does that break down to a point where our will f- for something is in fact acting on whether it happens or not, you know apart from determinism. I think that that does exist. I just don't know where. All right, let's continue. He
1: talks about, you know, I can't flap my wings and fly. I can't (laughs) leave the earth. So merely pointing out the constraints that I have doesn't change the fact that my will isn't unfairly constrained. It can be constrained by obvious physical curtainments. Curtainments? Containments. All we really care about is when my will is constrained by another agent or what mm. is perceived as another agent. Because that's where our sense of justice and injustice. That's a, such a good point, everybody. I want you to pay attention to that. Yeah.
0: whether When we're driving and whether we can make a right here or not or – any of those actions, or whether the fucking peanut butter was stocked that we wanted, or, or, or to drive ice cream machine at McDonald's was working, or not, it never works. But, you know, none of that free will really, maybe the ice cream machine. But if someone is directly in their actions negating our will, that is the moment that any, that most people even care about what we what
1: our will is uh brilliant point just come from that's where our sense of moral accountability and responsibility come from and that's where free will matters it doesn't matter in the realm of determinism
0: okay okay so it 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 basically because because i think the point i think we got pretty granular on it and that's why it it seemed like You know, the, even, you know, he, he was bringing up the choices, which I've heard lots of people say, you know, well, I choose which way to turn at a stoplight. You know, I choose to go straight or turn right here or, you know, those type of things. And I think he was trying to say that if we can say that hard determinism is true, hard determinism is true, then that, that obviously isn't a choice at that level at the way we would, he was trying to define will right the free the freeness of our will yeah and um i you know i i said well but you're you're i what do you have to show that nothing like nothing can be random because i i think like wouldn't how yeah. if if it all even if there was a possibility of it hard determinism couldn't be true right you could at least be soft deterministic with with an account of, you know and the the the
1: the I, I'm sorry. I don't want to go on too much longer. Yeah, um, I could. I could even the, feel the, myself no, like for the record, stressing. I I so I'm I'm as dubious as you are when someone says
0: that moment right there. The the that just little affirmation that he that he gave is like oh I I f- feel like you feel in this in my heart then and even a little right now hearing it for a second time made me feel good like that was a moment where like oh okay I'm not I'm not as much of an idiot as I worry I am sometimes and and uh, I'm glad that my skepticism is working in my favor it seems at this moment uh, at least someone else who practices a v- what I I guess seem is healthy skepticism is affirming mine uh, it felt it felt nice um
1: Randomness cannot exist right uh, I don't know how they reach that conclusion second- I don't know how that, that is that is a a positive assertion for which I don't see warrant yeah. despite that if he would have said I don't think true randomness is possible I would probably agree with him Ooh. because my suspicion and
0: that moment right there was the loss of wind in my sails I went shit. Like, immediately, like, fuck, okay, what did I miss? Why, why is that a conclusion worth reaching? Um, yeah, it, it, it bummed me out for sure.
1: After looking at this, is that it's reasonable to suspect that everything is a pattern we just aren't able to identify, that our limitations prevent us from seeing the pattern sure but to say that that must be the case which is what your your interlocutor is saying yes i don't know how you got there i mean i don't know how he he got there yeah i i don't either and i so
0: here's what here's what i i i remember this and i give an example coming up here because i feel like i did not want to seem either to myself or to him um or the lit, what whoever it was paying attention to this, um, I did not want to seem like I was ignorantly wrong. I wanted it to like I'm I, here. I'm about to present a and uh present an idea, um, and I think it was just in like self preservation mode here. I was in a, my ego a little bit and. I wanted to seem like I had some some sort of – I wanted to demonstrate my thoughts so that even if I was wrong, he could – I could prove that I wasn't coming at it from a – um. just a completely ignorant standpoint that I had at least tried to rationalize some of this to a level of understanding even if I was wrong, you know? um so that's what i'm about to do right here i think that it was i think he he was um just kind of taking it axiom- axiomatically as that that has to be yeah. and and building from there and and you know we had to we had to stop the conversation because i i couldn't i couldn't even show him an example of a way that how would you tell the difference between this being random or not and the, and the example i used was you know the um examples i've heard from you know uh <laughs> other bi- biologists and such is is the randomness and evolution and it's not the mutations that are random it's which out of the population get the mutation and as far as i know there's no we we can't ooh. determine which that ooh his ooh was a little bit like it, it brought my, it put a little bit wind back in my sails as I was talking and saying that I heard him go, Ooh. And I went, Oh, I sparked his interest in something. Maybe I made a good point out of a, a given population will receive the mutation that, you know, pr- hmm. provides toward that. And, and, and that was the example I said, how could I gave that example is how could you tell if that is in fact a randomness or it is exactly predictable. And we just can't tell. and I you know, and we couldn't get past that point because he couldn't
1: tell me how we could tell the difference. Then. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that, that that process is random. I think that process deterministic It's just that we don't have the ability to access it. Okay. Um, so for example, it, it's not individuals that evolve. It's, it's, um, um, species that evolve. Yes, it's yes. Groups that evolve. Right. And so if you've got a group and you say there's an X percent chance that makes this makes a really particular gene right is here. going to mutate, um, that percent chance is available to all of them, potentially, but only because we're viewing things with regard to um, populations, and that's populations that evolve. Interesting. If instead we knew everything about the two individuals, and um, and we knew that one of the two of them was going to have this mutation transmitted, we would be able to identify that if we knew absolutely everything about them is what my suspicion would be. Okay. Yeah. Um, that makes sense it does but i i'm not an evolutionary <laughs> biologist um my my limitations i can go on i could do a 10-hour lecture right now on snake genetics <laughs> yeah um and i love that because I have two and, snakes. And breeding snakes and and that's not even a joke 10 hours would barely get me started um but yeah on the on randomness determinism uh yeah if randomness isn't possible then that would be as far as I can tell, hard determinism, but and that's that, completely it, separate from, from what happens in population evolution, and at the individual level, right? It's and like, it's like radioactive decay that uh, the half life. Oh, um, sure. We know the rate at which it it, it it decays, but that you can't tell for any individual yeah. atom. That would be a much better example okay. than gene changes in uh, a, in a.
0: And that right there highlighted my ignorance and thought on this subject is I knew that about atoms and or radioactive decay of, of atoms and isotopes and that we give a general half-life for one of those things, but you can never look at any isotope or any atom and tell when from that moment it will in fact decay. You know, you can't, And I knew that and it brought, it made me go, man, why did I pull something out that I'm not that versed in like biology and evolution and stuff? You know, I was using something I'd heard, but if I would have used any of my own cognition, I would have probably thought into, yeah, quantum level stuff, radioactive decay, Uh, that would have been. You know, it was another highlight, a learning lesson. It's what I, it's what these things are kind of meant for in a population. Great. Okay. That's, that's a great point. That's a great point. Okay. And regardless of the state of determinist, determinism, we're kind of bound to, it says nothing at all about our compatibilism and the amount of will, <laughs> how free that is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well wow. and, that- and I don't know how free our will is. Yeah. Yeah. Neither, neither do I, you know, I, I was just, I'm just, I just couldn't figure out how he the he, he took such a hard line on it and where he, he was basing that claim from and, and it, it left me confused. And so I just wanted some clarification. Thank you, Matt. Sure. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. <laughs> that was, oh, I'm going to have something to say here. Wow. That was a fun conversation. I uh, got some shit cleared up. I love it. Well, that's all I had to say. Okay, so that was that call. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. It was a good exercise even again listening back to that and kind of trying to replay my thought process and correct in real time listening to that. Um, I don't know if that was useful for any of you at all, if it was fodder to cheer to your brains on what the fuck is compatibilism and determinism? If you haven't heard those terms before, they're great. Look, go look them up. There's a lot. I mean, man, it's so deep. I'm still trying to wrap my brain around it myself. Um, free will is a great topic. If you guys, I would love to hear your thoughts. Do we have free will? Do we not have free will? Um, you can, yeah, hit me up on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Time and Stuff Pod. Uh, Time and stuff podcast on Facebook, uh, time and stuff podcast at gmail.com. Email me. What, What do you guys think? I would love to have some conversations on that. Uh, how do you think about your will? How free, how free are you in your decisions? Uh, do you even think about it at all? I would love to hear about it. Um, does it even matter to you? You know, some people don't even fucking care. Uh, I would love to hear that opinion as well. Tell me if I'm just blowing smoke. Uh, Yeah. Well, thanks all. This has been a great podcast. I'm uh, proud of myself for getting around and doing it. And I'm proud or I'm happy that you all uh, stuck around this long and listened to me ramble yet again. Uh, I got some cool guests coming up. I always say that, but that's because I always got cool guests coming up. So... I hope you gained something uh, fight that resistance everybody fight that resistance that's inside of you that is preventing you from right now doing the thing that you wish you could go do or that you you know is there and half finished or uh, that song that isn't written or that drawing that isn't drawn yet or the you know whatever whatever it is that you ha- that, that that you know. Already, right now, in your head, you've gone over it 15 times, the next step and how you're going to accomplish that next step in this thing, but you haven't got up and done it yet. Right now, I'm your ambassador of fuck resistance, and I'm telling you, fuck it. Get up and go do it. Uh, do, an, do an action. Do something that would make the future you proud that you did it. That's a, That's a big one I work on. All right, love you all. I uh, Take care of yourselves. Be good to everybody. And you know, like I always say, drive like you know each other.